Hello, everybody. This is Alex Schiffer, the Missouri beat writer for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined with Blair Kirkhoff, who will be joining me at Purdue on Saturday from Missouri Purdue. How you doing, Blair? Doing great, Alex. I don't know how much of the game you watched because you were in L.A. for Chiefs, but did you get to take a look at any part of Missouri's game against Wyoming this past Saturday? Yeah, I did. I, I, I got to um, – I, what, what I didn't see, I followed online and then tried to catch up um, afterwards and, and read everything I could about it. And, uh, I, you know, the, the final score was about what I thought I, I, I it could be, but I don't, I don't know if it was, unfolded the way I thought it was. A little bit of a sluggish start for, for Mizzou, but in the end uh, asserted its dominance over over a, a, an outmatched team. And, uh, and and so I think Missouri just takes um, you know head full of steam in, into Saturday into a game that I know you and I have talked about as being a, a real pivot point game for the Tigers this year. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting on Saturday because I, I feel like there's a little bit of weight dropped from the game just because Purdue lost in the last minute to Eastern Michigan, and Purdue's going to be looking for its first win. But at the same point. I just think in terms of fan interest and show of progress for Barry Odom, it's a game Missouri has to win. It was already a game Missouri has to win, but with Purdue being winless now and the way Missouri's offense is looked, there's there's really no excuse for how they could lose up there. And it's not like we've said this before, West Lafayette is not Bear Bryant Stadium, Bryant End Stadium. (laughs) No, it, it's it's not, and uh, and I, I don't suspect uh, there'll be a, a huge crowd, even though it's an attractive opponent for Purdue. You get off to a no one two start, you lose your you know your second game to you know a max school, and uh, and and so you're in a you know you're not in a good you're not in a good place. So uh, I, I don't expect it to be a, a great atmosphere. But look, it's an SEC school playing at a Big Ten stadium, and that's always you know there, there's always some interest in that, but. Um, uh, but but yeah, Purdue is uh, coming off that loss. It was un- totally unexpected, and and uh, uh, and Jeff Brom at his press conference this week said it called it embarrassing, and he's accepting the blame for it. And uh, it was a real head shaker for Purdue, which uh, which I don't know where they were picked in the whatever the media or the coaches poll, but I saw in a couple of magazines they are thought of as the you know the, the the third best team in the division behind Wisconsin and, and Iowa. So. They're off to a start and disappointed right there, and um, and this after, you know, after a terrific season in, in Brown's first year at, at the helm of the Boilermakers. Yeah, I was looking at Purdue's season from last year. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Missouri's, just because they beat the teams they should have, and then they they beat a handful of bowl teams, but they they were winless against ranked opponents. And it kind of reminded me of Mizzou a little bit, just with them not winning a game against a team that went to a bowl game last year. It, it I feel like they're kind of similar teams, and maybe it's tough to compare Jeff Brown's, Barry Odom's, and their job situations, just because I think Purdue is very much a basketball school, and they inherited very different situations. But looking back at Purdue's schedule, was kind of just reminiscent of Missouri's because they both didn't really beat the big dogs, but they, they took care of business everywhere else. I'm wondering what you think of that comparison. Yeah, well, I, I think there's something to it. It turns out when you look at what Purdue did last year, their their, their best win may have been over Missouri. Um, certainly the way they came into Columbia and 
uh, and, and just manhandled the, the Tigers. And, and that was the third game of the year for Mizzou. They, they had beaten Missouri State in that crazy game and then had lost to South Carolina. So we kind of didn't know what Missouri was all about when when that game kicked off. And by the end of it, 35-3, to 3, I think it was, um, it was a real, real butt-kicking. And uh, Barry Odom was quite upset afterwards. And, um, and, and it was a... Uh, you know, I, I think a game that that uh, had a lot of Missouri fans wondering <laughs> if, if Odom was, you know, if he was the right coach, if Missouri was going in the right direction, and uh, just a stunning game. I remember coming covering that game. Vahe Gregorian and I drove over from Kansas City, and Vahe wasn't planning on writing. Uh, he just wanted to go see the Tigers and maybe just talk with Barry and some of the players after the game, but. The outcome of that game was so startling that um, that he and I both rode off of that game, and Vahe, you know, was asking those questions: "Is is this the right coach? Is, are, they, are they making any progress?" And um, so it was. Again, I I think it was one of without having produced 2017 schedule in front of me, I think it had to rank as one of their their better wins, especially the way that the Missouri finished the season. Yeah, you know, I. My Sunday, I was actually flipping between Chiefs and then watching last year's Purdue Mizzou game on my laptop. And one, as you can imagine, was clearly better than the other. But to me, that game was just a worst case scenario across the board. I mean, Missouri gave Purdue excellent field position on two muff punts. Um, Missouri's offense was only out there for 16 minutes. That's, that's what their time of possession was. Last second. Interception was a should-be touchdown by Jamon Moore that just had the ball ripped out of his hand. It, it and it's I just can't foresee Saturday going like last year did because Purdue lost a lot on defense. You know their linebackers were a tough matchup for Missouri's run game, and a couple of those guys were grad transfers from last year, and their defensive line was pretty good too. And I think they only returned one starter on the defensive line, and I mean. Also watching that game, Albert Okwuebunam was not involved in the offense, and Emmanuel Hall went out early with a shoulder got dinged up. So I feel like it's just night and day for both of these teams as to what's going into Saturday and and what they bring back. And and really, in terms of Missouri's offense, I mean, they have a new coordinator, and arguably their two biggest pass targets were in the game. So I, I'm I'm really curious to see how this Purdue defense looks, given what they didn't get last year. Yeah, I'm always a big believer in um, emotional edges and advantages in college football games, and 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 you would think um, that just with just setting aside the results of the season so far, you would think Missouri would go into this game with a little bit of an emotional advantage. You, all all Barry Odom has to do is run the tape of last year's game to get his guys inspired, but he's got you know not only does he have that in his pocket, but he's he, he by by every indication, he has the better team as well. You know, Purdue, um, they still haven't figured out who their quarterback is right now, uh, Sindelar or uh, or Blau, and it was Blau who um, who started and played well against Missouri last year. But but they they keep going. They, they, Jeff Brown keeps shuffling his quarterbacks, and and I, I think when you when you do that and somebody doesn't take the reins of the position, you, um, you know, it, it just weakens the, the whole product. And that's, that's a little bit where Purdue is right now, at least at, at that position. And, uh, and that stands in stark contrast to where Missouri is at that position right now. It just looked to me like Drew 
played um, he played well, really well in the first game, but may have been even better in um, you know against Wyoming with his arm and his legs, getting into the end zone one time with a with a rushing touchdown. Yeah, he was he had 51 rushing yards, and that was 12 off his career high, which was in that loss to Middle Tennessee. We talked a little bit after Tennessee Martin about the run game, and it didn't they didn't really seem to have much push, and that kind of carried into uh, Wyoming. When do you think it's time to push the panic button? I mean, some people are already petrified of it. I, I think I think they have to show something on Saturday just because it's not like you're a one-trick pony. You have Demarie Crockett, Larry Roundtree, and then even the true freshman Tyler Beatty has shown a little bit. I, I mean, the next game after Purdue is obviously Georgia. I, I feel like this has to be the game that they show something because Georgia's not exactly the game where you want to have an epiphany. You kind of want to have the epiphany beforehand and have it all figured out going into the biggest game of the season. That's right. I, I think the that that would be the the concern on the offensive side right now is getting more production from from your running backs and 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 I don't know if it's more of a running back issue or an offensive line issue right now. Um I'll be curious to to take a look at that on on Saturday, but that's that's my, you know, for Missouri, my concern on offense. On defense, it's the, the, the play of the defensive ends. I think they just need to get more production from the DNs right now. And then another thing that kind of cropped up in the in the in, in the Wyoming game is the kicker um, missed extra point and a and a missed field goal, I believe. And all of a sudden, you you know you you don't want doubt creeping into the mind of the kicker. And um, so I guess one little thing on 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 in all phases of the game. Running game, defensive ends, and then uh, and then some kicking accuracy. Um, I'm sure if, if 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 Barry Odom were asked about all of them, he would just say that it's just uh, he'll, he'll give you the coach's cliche. We'll just we just have some things to clean up. But um, I, I think those are real issues for Missouri. Yeah, I, I agree completely on the run game. The defensive ends are going to be interesting just because they have bodies there, but how proven they are is a whole other situation and. They, Trey Williams, I feel like, could be a guy that's their next big pass rusher that goes to the NFL. I mean, he's 6'5". He's got really long arms. He's got the build of, of the Coney Ely's and the Marcus Goldens that have come through the program. But And they had a couple sacks on Saturday. But I, I agree that they're getting the interior pressure for sure between the linebackers blitzing and then Terry Beckner, Jordan Elliott, the Texas transfer, who seems to be disruptive so far. But Saturday's a game where I feel like they need to uh, – they need to be more of a presence, and and some of the sacks they got that both the ends had both sacks were from the ends on Saturday, but it wasn't really a they don't really it was like a, it wasn't like an unassisted sack I'd say you know one guy brought the pressure and then the quarterback just kind of ran into Nate Anderson or Trey Williams and again the stats will show the DNs got the sacks but it was really it, it wasn't really that they did a lot of that on their own and gotcha. that's. That again, obviously, they, Missouri's had defensive ends where that hasn't been an issue before. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's that's just another thing to kind of to monitor and, and keep an eye on. And look, it's I, I think we we talked about this before the season, and and I just I really like the way that the schedule unfolds for Missouri. That they um, they open up against their weakest opponent in Tennessee Martin. They take a little bit of step up and a significant step up in a mountain. West opponent in Wyoming, and now the next step is a Big Ten opponent. It's not a, you know, it's not a team that's going to compete for the, for the Big Ten title, I don't think, but it's a step up in class, and and all of this leads into 
uh, you know, the showdown uh, with with Georgia. I like you had a tweet the other day, and I thought that was really interesting. You, you know, they get the 11 a.m. kickoff for Missouri Georgia, and I agreed with you. I thought that might have been a you know a showcase game for the SEC, but I guess the the league didn't see it that way. Yeah, that, I was actually about to bring that up. I was stunned about that just because I again I'm not a TV programmer, but the other games didn't really look that appetizing. You know, someone thought Texas A&M got the benefit of the doubt because of the performance they had against Clemson, which was admirable. But, it, it, I mean, I didn't think that game was, was amazing. And Auburn, Arkansas in primetime, I, I was, I'm puzzled by the SEC on that just because if you're going to go for a primetime game, I mean, Auburn, Arkansas is going to be – should shape up to be as lopsided as they come. I don't know what – what the argument was for that really, unless it was just better TV ratings there. But I'm really curious to see how that 11 a.m. game shakes up because I I still think it'll be an electric atmosphere. I thought college game day had a great chance to be there for that. And now I'm not so certain. They've done 11 a.m. games before, but, you know, Arizona State plays Washington that weekend. Herm Edwards is kind of the hot name right now in college football. They don't really go west. So I uh, I don't really know what to what to expect for that weekend, but I do think a win on Saturday for Missouri will will make for a good atmosphere for Row regardless. Yeah, it will. It, it certainly will. And, and, and something else about the the game um, in light of sort of what else has transpired in the in the division. You know, the the Kentucky win over Florida was a real eye opener, and um, I, you know I, I don't know what to make of you know, that in relation to Missouri. Do we look at that as, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Kentucky's a formidable challenge for the Tigers or, you know, Florida not what we thought they were going to be? I just, um, you know, you know Georgia's been doing what we thought um, they're capable of doing. And I, I, I kind of don't know what to make of the rest of the, um, you know, of, of the division right now with, um, uh, you know, Tennessee Losing significantly to West Virginia in the opening weekend, Florida's loss again, South yeah. Carolina not, you know, playing well at home against Georgia. I, you know, I'm I'm not, I, I guess I'm not wavering from my belief that Missouri has a chance to be right, you know, be, be behind Georgia and, and and be as good as second place in this division, and um and I think we'll just have a better feel for it after after Saturday. I agree. Before I let you go, give me a score prediction real quick for Saturday. Okay, let's go. Um, let's go. Let's go. Thirty-four twenty Tigers. Okay, that's not too far off what I'm going to go. I was going to go forty-one seventeen Missouri, and I was going to add a little thing that the run game still becomes an issue. But Alberto and Emmanuel Hall are the real heroes for Missouri, given that Purdue's defense never saw them before. There you go. Awesome. Now he's Blair Kirkhoff. I'm Alex Schiffer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys from the Purdue press box on Saturday. You ever cover Purdue? You ever cover a game of Purdue before, Blair? First one for me. First game. First at, uh, one as Washington well. State. All right. Yeah. Let's yep. do Looking it. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah.